we've been looking on the series of uh, miracles of Jesus. And of course, uh, most people say that this is the last miracle of Jesus. That he performed on a human being. But for me, I think this is the second last. Because the last miracle is raising himself from the dead. That's the greatest miracle that we can ever enjoy in this side of eternity. Because him rising from the dead makes us to be alive in him. And this story talks about Lazarus. And the name Lazarus in Hebrew is Eliezer, meaning God has helped. God is my helper and God will help. That means that God is in our lives. Once we came and been uh, translated into his marvelous light, that's not just finished, but he's continually doing his work in our lives, helping us. He has helped us. He is helping us and he will help us. When we have that truth, we can walk confidently in this side of eternity. So in light of this fabulous miracle, which is the last miracle John records before Jesus Christ actually is crucified. And we are going to uh, be able to celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. So this series just take, prepares us for that Good Friday. It prepares us for that Easter Sunday. I call to our attention two principal things that I'm going to share this Sunday. Uh, and you can jot them down if you're personal, right? If you're not a person that uh, do right, you can think through, you know. And then you can pray in those three things. Either jot it, think through, or pray in. So number one, delays are determined by who? Can we say delays are determined by who? Can we say confidently? Delays are determined by who? For, for what? For his glory. So when you think that life, uh, things are not happening as you want them, the Lord is the one that determined it for his glory. Secondly, solution to your frustration is not something bad. It is? It is someone. So if you forget everything that I'll share today, at least carry these two things. That delays are determined by the Lord for his glory. And secondly, solutions to our frustration that we face every single day is not something. It is someone. Let me add, it's not even your boss or your landlord. <laughs> it is someone. It is not your parent. It is someone. So we see in the text here a happy Little family that is living in a small community. Two sisters and a brother who seemingly inherited the house they were living in together from their parents. Who are evidently no longer in the scene. They're not being mentioned. We're only hearing of these three guys. This little happy family was very much linked with, intrigued by, and close to a rabbi from Galilee named Yeshua or Jesus. So we see they are not only open their hearts to the Lord, but also their house for the Lord, not caring what others thought. They cared about what Jesus brought into their lives. That's, that is all what they care about. It's nothing of what people thought about them, but what Jesus brought into their lives. Even though they will be very close friends of our Lord, even though Jesus will frequent their home, it did not insulate them or immune them from trouble, from real heartbreak, from tragedy. And this can be true for you and me as well. We have opened up our hearts to the Lord. We have received Jesus Christ, yet we face troubles. You're not insulated from trouble, just like these two people. Not only did they receive, because Jesus got his divine ministry from this home. 
And he also got human ministry. He was being fed. Whenever he went to that house, he knew, I can count on Mother and Mary. I'll be able to get food. But also Mary ministered at his feet. So he got both uh, ministry in terms of divine ministry and human ministry. The difference for us who face trouble and who are believers in the Lord is that we've got the problem solver, Jesus Christ. We have the problem solver, Jesus Christ. We see Martha and Mary send a message to Jesus. They say, the one whom you love is sick. They send a message. They didn't say, the one who loves you is sick. You know, sometimes when you read a scripture and then you ponder like, okay. So it's not about them loving. Not about Lazarus loving, but about Jesus loving Lazarus. Because the Bible says, and Jesus loved Martha and Mary and their brother. So they are telling Jesus, the one whom you love is sick. They didn't say the one who loves you is sick. And it takes me to a point I've written here that my love can tend to be fickle. And it can be, tend to be, to be often frail. It goes up and down. And also with Jesus. My love, as I said, it is affected by circumstances. When everything seems to be good, like, wow, you'll see a smiling face here. But when things are like, I'm too down. But not so with Jesus. His love for me, his love for you is unconditional. It is steady. It, is, it never fails. And it takes me to a song. When, maybe some of us have heard this song. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. That's the love of Jesus Christ. It never fails. It never runs out on me. And if I know that, then me as Solomon, I can come and say to the Lord, that Lord, I come to you not on the basis of my love to you. But I come to you on the basis of your love for me. If I know that truth, it sets me free. To know that the Lord has poured his spirit, I mean his love abroad in my heart by spirit. Romans says that. That his spirit has poured his love abroad in my heart. And that keeps me going. There is an interesting insight in the language used in verse 3. When we read verse 3. Therefore, the sister sent to him saying, Lord, behold, the one whom you love is sick. The love being shown here is filial type of love. Brotherly love. Best friends will display this generous and affectionate love for each other as each seeks to make others happy. So this means this. Jesus not only loves you, he likes you. You know, there's a different one. Like, <laughs> I like that laughter. When you get the truth, it just makes you to know like, wow, I'm freed. He doesn't just love me. He likes me. And Jesus not only loved this family, he liked them. And that's why he was frequently visiting that home. We all know that Jesus loves us. He is Jesus. He is love. So he's got to, <laughs> because his love is got to love me. No matter what. In fact, John chapter 15 verse 16 says, I no longer call you servants but friends. When the Bible says friends, it speaks of, it speaks of filial here. I'm affectionate toward you. 
That's what he says. So for us who have already rebuilt that relationship, Jesus is not only loving us unconditionally, but he's affectionate toward us. And that gives me confidence. You know, sometimes we walk as believers as if we don't know the love of the Father toward us. Not only unconditional, but his, his love toward us is brotherly kind of love. But have you accepted that love? Have I accepted that love that he likes me? Have I accepted? Have I embraced that love? The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 11 to 13. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name. So if you're here and you've not yet built that relationship, I'm calling into such a place so that you can experience this love by believing in his name. For them that have already stepped into the fold and they have Jesus, we can believe in his name. And we can be in the fall of being called the children of God. Who are not only born of blood, nor the will of the flesh, but we are born of the will of God. That's what God does. One thing I notice here, when they are speaking about the one who loves you is sick. They do not give the Lord directions on what to do. Like, Jesus, the one whom you love is sick. Come over here and heal him. Put anointing oil upon his head. Lift his hand and heal him. It's like, and most of the time, that's what prayer we do. We find ourselves praying like that. I often catch myself giving the Lord direction in my prayers. But Isaiah tells me a different thing. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 13 to 14 says, Who has directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor? And I find myself sometimes counseling God without knowing directing the Lord. With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? The answer is nobody. But in reality, I, Solomon, I don't know about you, I've tried to counsel the Lord and give him direction by telling, Lord, here is the situation and here is my strong suggestion. <laughs> you know, when you laugh at yourself, it releases you as well. <laughs> you feel like, yeah, 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 I, I can attest to that. You know, it's like I was a fool, but now I've gotten the, the insight of it. That's not the best way to pray because he knows a lot more than we do. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. The best thing is just to present our needs to the Lord, talk things over with him, but not to be foolish as to pray directed prayers. We need to pray not directed prayers, but just direct prayers. Just tell him as it is and leave it there. No wonder they will say, uh, cast your cares upon the Lord and it shall sustain you. You just leave it there. Most of us, we cast our prayers and we follow it up. You know, Lord, uh, what did you say? Uh, do you remember what I, I prayed last week? I remind him. So I keep on following it up. No, I cast it. And as I cast it, I have faith that he will do it at his own time. Verse 4 to verse 5. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. The purpose of life is to 
glorify God. Colossians tells us, 1 verse 16, all things were made by him and for him. If I'm seeking to glorify myself, I'm going to be frustrated, unhappy, discouraged, depressed. But sometimes bringing glory to God comes through some really tough stuff, as we are seeing in the life of this lovely family. Things do not happen to us. They happen for us that we might glorify. So there's no coincidence to a person who knows God. There's never a coincidence. They don't happen. To, they just don't happen to us. They happen for us so that God might be glorified. Verse 9, verse 10. When you talk about Jesus telling us that we have 12 hours in a day where we cannot stumble. It speaks about that there is a perimeter of protection. That nothing can harm me or take me out of this life prematurely. Have you come across people say like, hey, that person died prematurely. Most of us we use that language. Maybe the English language is limited with these words. But at the same time, there is also a perimeter of limitations. Time allotted to you and I. Ecclesiastes says that there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. And all these are in the hand of God. We don't choose them. We don't choose where we'll be born. We don't choose how we'll die. It is the Lord who does that. There's a thing I was saying this, that you've got to live every moment as though it was your last. And of course, I, got, I get this from Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15, which says, Look carefully, then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and, wit, and witless, but as wise. Which wisdom is being spoken here? Sensible, intelligent person. Making the very most of the time by buying each opportunity because the days are evil. We are living in the wicked days. And God is calling us to walk sensibly, to walk rightly as he's encouraging us. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. Which leads me to the first point. Delays are determined by the Lord for his glory. Can we say that? So if you feel like you are, there are delays in your life, just run with this word. It is for his glory. Verse 13 to 15, we see Mary and Martha. I won't, I won't read the scripture, but it's just there. Mary and Martha, they are sad. But the amazing thing, Jesus is glad. <laughs> they are sad, but Jesus is glad. Why is Jesus glad? When somebody dies, so often we are sad, but I'm not sure Jesus is. Especially because the Bible says, the Lord delight in the death of his saints. It doesn't take delight in the death of a wicked person. Because when a, when a saint dies, they know, wow, I'll be with them forever. They have finished their work. And it's a time for them to enjoy rest. So when we see with that eye of faith, it gives us joy. Though we have lost one, but we can see that. The reason why Jesus was glad is because he knows something big is underway. Just like with the family of Martha and Mary. That big thing is called resurrection. And we are coming toward that. Sadness in their homes, but gladness in the heart of Jesus. He knows that delay does not mean denial. The Lord can delay too, 
a day or two or a decade, but that doesn't mean it's a denial. For you see, the omnipotent, the all-powerful God can afford to wait. Even when it appears that Jesus is too late, he's always on time. He makes all things beautiful in his time. That's why he says, I'm glad I wasn't there for your sake that you can see and believe. We've been called to that place. Some of us will say, where are you, Lord? I sent a message to you in sincerity. I poured out my heart to you. But you're not working. You're not coming. Where are you? We cry to the Lord. Lord, come and heal me. This sickness is not getting out. Mary and Martha saying, Lord, come and heal our brother. And Jesus says, I'm going to do something a whole lot more impactful than that. I'm going to resurrect him. But that means he has to die. I have found that the longer the Lord waits to do his work in my life, the longer he waits to come on the scene. Oftentimes, the greater blessing it is for his glory and my good. And you as a believer, me as a believer, many times we have sung, In my life, Lord, be glorified, be glorified, until we get that revelation. But what if it means tragedy? What it means bankruptcy? What it means death, setback, or pain? What if God can get maximum amount of glory when a world who doesn't believe watches you go through a terrible time and his strength is seen through you? You know, Martha didn't doubt the ability of Jesus to heal, but she was doubting his willingness to help. Lord, I know you wouldn't have died if you had been here. I don't doubt your ability to heal, but I'm doubting your willingness to help me. I don't think any of us in this century doubts the Lord's ability to come through, to work it out, to solve that, whatever the situation that we are dealing with might be. But what we struggle with is his willingness to do it for me. Oh, I know he's going to help Ronaldo. He's going to help Daisy. He's going to help London. He's going to help Ashley. But for me, nah. I, I don't think me, ah, nah, nah, nah. Maybe other people, but for me. And you may, you may be here, and I'm just, God is speaking to you this word. To tell you, like, I'm coming for you to help you. I've been your helper. I'm helping you, and I will help you. Do you think that the Lord is giving us a second best? A lot of us have faith even for the tenth best. But nowhere do we have faith for the best. Because we think we lost that opportunity, that offer, or that relationship. Time for me to get married. For you, is not married. It's gone. I've thrown in the towel. So let it be, you know. God, if you want to bring someone on my way, it's okay. I've, I've, I've given up. You know, if you want to bring a job on my way, I've given up. It's okay. If you want that thing to work, it's just gone. And so you've surrendered to the tenth best, to the fourth best, and not the best that God has for you. The longer the delay, the greater the delight will prove to be. Ask Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. And here comes, ha, 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 laughter. 
Isaac. Isaac means laughter. An illustration of Jesus Christ. That Jesus brings joy in our hearts. He brings that when we know it. Taking me to second point. Solution to your frustration is not something. It's someone. Verse 25 to verse 26. So when Jesus says that I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So Jesus is telling us, it's not just studying about me. Most of us, we are good in studying God's word. But he says, it's looking into me. It's not about information about me. It's having intimacy with me. And Jesus might say to you, who is here? Who might be going through tragedies or trials, wandering and waiting. He says, I am your resurrection this morning. To what this afternoon? I am your resurrection. It's not just gaining facts about me or breaking down scriptures exegetically or developing systematic theology, which is very important to do that, but it's got to be about Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. We sing that song, yeah? It's about, all about you, but he wants to remind us that. It's me. I am what you're looking for. Dear precious people, this is, the solution to our frustration is the person of Jesus. Looking unto the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus began this work. He will carry it out. Let me have that faith. That he will carry it out. And I'm challenging us here. He's the one who called us into his kingdom. He will sustain us. He will carry that in our lives. Look at Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They were thrown into the fiery furnace. And guess who is uh, able to see the, other, uh, the fourth person? Nebuchadnezzar, the king. He says, we threw in three people, but I see the, the fourth one as the son of God. And they didn't want to leave the fire because it is in the fire that we have the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the place we see Jesus. And we can say, Lord, keep me in the fire all of the time. If that's the only way I can see you. That's why he's calling us. Keep me in the fire if that's the only way that I can experience you. And Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. For my determined purpose is that I may know him. That I may progressively, uh, if you have that slide, Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Uh, you can help us detect him. It's not there, okay. Uh, more deeply, intim uh, intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. More strongly and more clearly. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his, from his resurrection. Paul says that I want to know that power that raised Jesus Christ, which he has exerted upon believers. When you know that the Lord has exerted his power within me, then I'm able to attain moral and spiritual uh, transformation. That's what God wants to do, to work in us. Moral and spiritual transformation. But it's only coming to a point of recognizing, perceiving, and understanding that power that worked in Christ Jesus. And when I know that, then I can come boldly and say, you are my resurrection. You are my healing if I need healing. 
You are my love. If I feel unloved. You are my joy. You're my song in the night. You're my salvation. You're my rock. You know, I can come bold in that confidence. You are my shield. When the enemy thrown in darts, the Lord is my shield. He surrounds me with songs of freedom. I can come confidently in that. Do you believe that not only did he come to the world, but to your world? Most of us, we know Jesus came into the world to save us. But I, as Solomon, do I believe that he came into my world? Do you believe that he came into your world? To your heartbreaking, to your problem, to your circumstances? That's why he's calling us. And that's what he was telling Martha here. Because Martha was saying, I know that... You are the resurrection, you are the life. But what she was actually portraying, like, I know it is for the world, but not for me. So Jesus is reminding us, that's the reason I've come for you specifically. And I'm reminding us here that he's come into our world. We see in verse 32, Mary said the exact phrase, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would have not died. So she's Saying the exact phrase, word for word. And this tells me that we take out the vocabulary of the people or things that we hang out with. Whether it's directly or indirectly through social media. Through what we see, through what we hear. If we don't hang around people of faith, then our faith will be disturbed. Instead of faith, there will be fear. But God has not given us the spirit of fear, yeah? He has given us the spirit of power, of love, of self-control, of sound mind. And it's only based on hanging around the people of faith. And that's why we are here. The Lord encourages us. But the good thing about Mary is she fell down at Jesus' feet. We see Mary at the feet of Jesus both in good times and difficult times. When you read Luke chapter 10, 39, she was at the feet of Jesus while Martha was preparing food. But now here, when the brothers died, she again is being found at the feet of Jesus. And that's where we are, we are being called. Whether good times or bad times, we are at the feet of Jesus. Because at the feet of Jesus, there is rest. There is hope. There is strength. There is grace. I'm here to encourage us. Happy days. Take in the word. Hard days. Pour your heart to the Lord. So when we take in God's word. When things are going well. When hard time or difficult times come. There is something we can withdraw. We can pour ourselves to the Lord. Verse 33 to verse 34. Which has a, a famous verse that Jesus wept. We see the mourners are wailing. Mary's weeping, and Jesus finds himself also crying. Which intrigues me because he knew that what will be happening. Why then does Jesus weep? Number one, perhaps Jesus wept because he knew he was reminded that sin destroys, sin kills, sin stinks. And aren't you finding this to be true? Aren't you seeing heartaches? And sadness all around because of sin. We look at the news and we see that. A lot of people being hurt. The fallen nature. Does it, does it, doesn't it make your heart 
heavy sometimes when you realize that precious people are hurting because of sin. That's why he wept. Number two, maybe perhaps Jesus wept because of the unbelief that surrounded him. He had given a promise that Lazarus will rise, but no one embraced it or believed it. And too often we when he says all things are working together for my good. Romans 8.28. You find Solomon saying, no, they aren't. Our belief must break his heart as well. Or three. Perhaps Jesus were because although he knew everything would turn out well, eventually those around him were hurting presently. Hebrew tells us that Jesus is our high priest. Who sympathizes with us. He feels for us. He prays on behalf of us. Therefore even though I should be stronger in faith. When I'm hurting. Jesus hurts too. Takes me to verse 38 to 39. In that hot climate. The body of Lazarus we know that it took a distinct order. And that is why mother was saying. Lord just let it be. Don't ask me to roll out the stone. It stinks. And the same is true for you and me. The Lord wants to do something in our lives. But before he does, oftentimes he will say, roll out the stone. Come on, Solomon, roll out the stone. Expose the problem. It's not that the Lord doesn't know the problem. He knows it, but he wants me to confess it. Tell him, Lord, this is the thing. I want to roll away the stone. Expose it. Let me have total access to the situation. And that takes some effort. It takes some energy. But we find ourselves saying, oh Lord, not that. We say, uh, do I have to deal with that? I'm embarrassed about it. I'm ashamed of it. It stinks. I don't want anyone to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it or deal with it. But the Lord says, I will bring about resurrection. But you got to come out clean with a confession. I'm not going to budge in your situation. You're going to roll away the stone. Why? Without him, I can't. But without me, he won't. There's a partnership. Without him, I can't. But without me, he won't. He won't force himself on us. We have to partner with him. And the Lord tells Martha here, I gave you a promise, Martha. But here is a prerequisite. Roll away the stone. Do you think Jesus could have rolled away the stone? Do we think that? Of course. He rolled his own stone. Which we'll be, we'll be able to hear in, the, in Easter Sunday. He did that. So the promise is given but there is a prerequisite. Rolling away the stone. Even, even though what's inside stinks. Jesus says let me deal with it. We can allow the Lord to deal with it this afternoon. So expose it to the Lord. And the last verse, 44. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, lose him and let him go. Again, Jesus would have done this, yeah? Not only resurrecting Lazarus, but he would have even loosened Lazarus from it. But he say, he gives responsibility to the people who are there, like, Take out the grave clothes. People are getting born again around our spheres. And the Lord says to us, who know them? 
I have resurrected them. Now I'm giving you the responsibility of loosening them. That's a privilege you've been given as believers. People who already walk with the Lord. So Jesus brings people into his fold. But he wants us to walk along with them. All the way in this journey. And that's what we need to do here at Hope Midtown. Sunday after Sunday. Every gathering we have during the midweek. We have the privilege and the responsibility of loosening people up. And these people may be bound in sin. They have not yet known the Lord Jesus. And after coming into the fold, Jesus wants us to do three things here. Number one, what does he want us to do? How can we loosen them? Number two? Number three? I want us just to stand on our feet as I welcome the worship team here. And maybe as I was ministering, there's something that God has touched or minister to you right this moment. Maybe you're in a place that you're being frustrated. I will call the prayer team, one on the right, one on the left. Maybe you're facing frustrations either in your place of work. And it seems like every week you want, when it reaches Monday, you feel like, I need another Friday. <laughs> yeah, like, come Friday, come Friday. It's like, you don't want to face this frustration at the place of work. If you're here, can you just raise up your hand? Amen, my sister. Yeah, yeah. if you're here, just come forward to here as we, we will be worshiping the Lord. Just raise up your hand and people around you will, uh, just raise people around you will pray with you. Just, I saw two people, two hands from here. Just raise up your hand. As we see them, maybe people around them can go along. Some of our leaders uh, can go along them as the worship team will be just uh, ministering to us. Uh, and then the second group is you've been believing God for a job and it seems like all the doors are closed and then you see like okay Jesus I've just given up so whatever comes on my way it's fine if you're here just raise up your hand and people around you also will pray with you right now or you're believing God for, for a work God to open doors for you can you just raise up your hand if you're here And the third group is, you just, yeah. So someone will just surround, you can be praying with her there as you surround her. And some of us who may be here and uh, you feel like darkness has just been looming over you. There's no breakthrough. You're praying and you realize, Solomon is, uh, my prayers are not working, man. As in, I don't think maybe someone else need to, to come and pray along with me to help me to strengthen me I've been believing God for this particular thing and I don't see like I will get a breakthrough well if you're here as the worship team will be ministering to us you can either come for or be prayed for but also if you have spoken that can you raise up your hand if you're here the last point amen so I want as they sing this song by by your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat because the resurrected king is resurrecting me. Can we say, by your spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat because the resurrected king is resurrecting me. 
So they sing this song and if uh, and you feel you need to be prayed for and pray with another person, our prayer line are open. Don't wait until the last time as we, we are about to finish. Just take a step of faith. Someone will be able to pray and strengthen you.